Welcome to the Dispatch Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Isger, joined by Steve Hayes. And this week, we are talking to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffsenberger. You may think that name is familiar because you heard a lot about Secretary Raffsenberger around the 2020 election, uh, a secret phone call between the president and Secretary of State Raffsenberger. We'll talk about it all here on the podcast. He also is the author of a new book, Integrity Counts. right in. First, there's now, of course, a primary challenge uh, to the governor of Georgia. Former Senator Perdue is challenging Governor Kemp, saying that he, uh, Perdue, would not have certified the election if he had been governor at that point. I'm curious if you can walk us through what that would have looked like if that had transpired in 2020. If it had been Governor Perdue, if he hadn't certified the election results, how would that have gone down in your state? Well, what uh, David Perdue has just said is that he would have violated state law and also our state constitution. And what he's really trying to s- tell you is that he is going to throw the rule of law out the window and he's going to govern by the rule of man. That's very dangerous for a republic to ever go down that path. And so if uh, the governor at that point had said, no, I'm not certifying these results, what would happen next? I assume there'd be lawsuits. Uh, You would have had some role in this. What would have happened in Georgia? Well, I'm sure there would have been an avalanche of lawsuits. And at the end of the day, you would have had federal courts involved. Uh, At the end of the day, what people need to understand is that we had a fair and honest election here in Georgia. That 28,000 Georgians skipped the presidential ballot. They didn't vote for anyone, and yet they voted down ballots. They voted for the county commissioner, voted for a congressman and perhaps a senator, voted for perhaps a county librarian. They skipped the presidential ballot, didn't vote for anyone. And in the Republican congressional areas, 33,000 Georgians skipped skipped, uh, President Trump because the Republicans actually received 33,000 more votes in the Republican congressional areas. Pretty pretty amazing uh, statistics. And numbers, I don't think people have necessarily grappled with them, both in terms of what they meant for the current makeup of the U.S. Senate and also what they meant for the the outcome of the presidential election in Georgia. I want to go back, um, you read about this in your book, and and talk to you a little bit about the, the, the phone call, the thing that first introduced you to so many Americans um, who suddenly took a keen interest in, in Georgia's Secretary of State and, and the conversations that you had. In the call... Uh, we later heard the recording in the call. President Trump is very specific about the number of votes that he thinks he needs. As you're listening to that and you're listening to the rest of the call, is there a moment where you say to yourself, this is the president of the United States asking me to cheat? Well, President Trump was looking for 11,780 votes, one more than he needed to win. But I knew that we had the data on our side. We had all the facts. And my question that I was really asking myself is, does he really believe what he's saying? Or, uh, you know, has he been so misled by all of his advisors? But at the end of the day, it didn't really matter how he got to where he's at. He just didn't have the right data. And we did. President Trump didn't have the votes to win. And therefore, you know, he could ask 
but there weren't any votes to find. Every allegation that they had made since the November election, we went down that rabbit trail and checked everything out. They said that there was 10,315 dead people. We found two, and that's the two I reported in my January 6th letter to Congress. Since then, we found two more. That's four dead people. They said there was thousands of you know, felons that voted. We found 79. 79 total felons that voted in that race. They said that there was 2,400 uh, non-registered voters. There were zero. They said there were 66,000 underage voters. There were zero. There's all those data points. They were just wrong, flat wrong. And so that's what we need to let him know. And then he was flat wrong about what happened at State Farm Arena. Rudy Giuliani came down to the state Senate. He was not sworn in, did not take an oath to tell the truth, the whole truth, so help him God, and said whatever he pleased. He took a video, sliced and diced it out of sequence, and then he said, look at them, they're ballot stuffing. No, they weren't. And that's why we called in the GBI, and that's why we called in the FBI, to make sure we had additional law enforcement eyes to look at, and there was nothing there. And then finally, when President Trump had B.J. Pack replaced with Bobby Christine, who was from the Southern District, the U.S. attorney there, and became the acting U.S. attorney from the Northern District, Bobby Christine looked into State Farm, and he was recorded uh, with it by the AJC saying that there was nothing there also. And so we looked at that extensively. Every allegation that was made, none of it was ever supported by the fact. But the cold, hard reality is that 28,000 Georgians skipped the presidential ballot. And that tells you the whole story right there. Let me let me follow up on that. What you've just given us is a very succinct and compelling recitation of the facts. This is what happened. This is what the data tell us. These are the numbers. There are, of course, hundreds of thousands of Georgians who don't believe them. Georgia Republicans who think that when you say these things, you're lying to them. What do you say when you talk to, to those folks who don't believe the numbers that you provide them? I mean, surely you've had these conversations, I mean, with people who are close to you or maybe at one point were close to you. What do you say when they say that's just not true? Well, I wrote a 10-page letter to Congress, January 6th. They got it. Now, they may not have read it because they were kind of busy with some other issues earlier in the day, but they got it. It's fact-based. And when we wrote that letter, I wanted to make sure that if you called me to Congress to testify and put my hand on the Bible, that I could do so honestly because everything was truthful. And that record stands. They've had that letter now for 11 months. And do you know that not a single congressperson, not a single any person ever has written me a letter back and said, hey, we looked at your data. And you're wrong on this point or this point. No one has ever said that you're wrong on any of the points because it is the facts. Hey, I'm, as a Republican, am I disappointed? Yes. But pr- President Trump came up short. And perhaps the biggest reason he came up short is that those 28,000 Georgians skipped the presidential ballot. And that's not my fault. That's the fault of a campaign that didn't turn out its people. So probably should talk to whoever's running the campaign than whoever runs the state political party here in Georgia for the Republican Party. So something I hear from, uh, you know, smart, thoughtful Republicans is that fine, you know, yeah, there weren't uh, suitcases full of ballots underneath the table or dead people voting. But look, because of the pandemic, 
Democrats changed a lot of the rules for voting. They loosened a lot of the rules for absentee ballots or um, changed the ways for ballot collection to happen in a lot of these states. And that that was not the legal process by which to change the voting rules. And that's what made the election, quote unquote, stolen, not dead people voting, uh, but unfair rule changes. You know, you can't change the the rules of the game halfway through the game uh, when it comes to a presidential election. I'm wondering if you can speak to that. What about that rings true in Georgia? What doesn't ring true? And um, how much you think that affected the outcome of the vote in Georgia? Well, in Georgia, we didn't change any of the rules. In fact, we signed a settlement agreement that has been misnamed and called a consent agreement. The settlement agreement related to signature match actually strengthened signature match. Mark Elias and the Democrat Party sued us, and we were in the process of winning that. So we got them to a settlement agreement, and they agreed to several things. One is that we would keep signature match when you send in your absentee ballot. Then when you sent in you send in your, we would keep signature match when you send in your absentee ballot application. So the signature would be verified. Then when you went ahead and sent in your absentee ballot, it would be signature matched again. Nothing changed. That is what state law is. And so we can't change that process. And so we kept signature match intact. We also got the Democrats to agree that they would not come back and sue us later about signature match for the remainder of the 2020 cycle. And then as it relates to the absentee ballot cure process, if you question it, that absentee ballot cure process was actually codified in state law by the legislature in 2019. So nothing was changed in state law at all. Then I've matched, I followed that up and I made sure that we had GBI signature match training for all 159 counties. But here's the proof. It's in the numbers. Back in 2018, we had 0.18% of all ballots were rejected for signature matching issues. In 2020, we had 0.20% of all ballots rejected for signature matching issues. Virtually the same. Actually a little bit higher, but we could say it's virtually the same. So therefore, there's nothing to truth. The facts don't support it. But that was really people just trying to trying to find an excuse and blame shift why the state political party did not turn out those 28,000 voters who skipped the presidential ballot. And when I, I want to go a little bit to the Stacey Abrams race, she's of course running again. Um, Governor Kemp getting challenged from all sides, right? He has a primary challenge coming at him from the right in the Republican primary, and then general election challenge from someone very well known in the state. Uh, Stacey Abrams ran, of course, uh, and lost to Governor Kemp last time around. She never conceded that race. What is their claim? that the election, that election was stolen, and what uh, validity should we give to any of that? Uh, what Stacey Abrams said, we should give no validity to it. She lost the, president, uh, the governor's race in 2018 by 55,000 votes. In fact, uh, mid-October, she was up in Virginia campaigning for McAuliffe, and she said, just because you win doesn't mean you've won. And so she still today has still not conceded that race. And her whole uh, stolen election claim was based on voter suppression. Meanwhile, we had record turnout of 4 million people, highest number ever, and record registrations. And through the Department of Driver Services, how we register most of our voters, we do a robust uh, 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 check of, uh, are you a resident of Georgia? And then also, are you an American citizen? And that's very important that we do that robust check. 
But that's why we have strong, robust checks, and we have strong registration numbers. Never been easier to vote in Georgia, but we do have appropriate guardrails, so it's tough to cheat. We have photo ID, and now with SB202, we have photo ID for the absentee ballot process also. Her myth is that one side of the coin. Last year in 2020, it was the other side of the coin of stolen election claim of voter fraud. Neither one of them are supported by the facts. But in this upcoming election, then it seems to me that we're going to have in Georgia, this governor's race, you know, two different candidates who claim that elections are stolen for different reasons. How concerned should you be if you're a Georgia voter that, um, I don't know, how can we have a fair election when both sides think that the election has been stolen by the other? Well, that's why in 2020, we stood up some programs that were statewide programs to talk about see something, say something about voter fraud to make sure that people understood we're going to have a safe and secure election. That's why with SB202, we strengthened up and really voters' confidence and move you know, away from signature match exclusively. And now we've incorporated driver's license number with photo ID to sharp voter confidence on the absentee ballot process. We want people to understand that your vote will be accurately counted and if you ask for absentee ballot, everyone will know that we know who you are and that you are a lawful Georgia resident requesting that absentee ballot. But do you feel a little like Kevin Bacon in Animal House screaming all as well as like, you know, people are running down the parade route, yelling and throwing things? I feel like you're coming at this very rationally with a lot of facts. But if you poll people, again, sort of regardless of what partisan side they're on, um, they don't think there's going to be a fair election. Well, that's why we'll do voter education. I know the county election offices will. And any political party or any campaign that thinks it's smart to tell people that you can't trust the vote, that's all All that's going to do is to depress your own turnout. It doesn't depress the other side. And so they need to knock it off and understand, you're going to win or lose this race on your own merits. Do you have a vision? Do you have a positive, uplifting vision? And what are you going to do about inflation? What are you going to do about the supply chain? Things like that. And that's more national than it is statewide. But look at what we have going on in Georgia. We've had great leadership. We have 3.1% unemployment, lowest ever. Best place to do business seven years in a row. And last year in 2020, we had record corporation formation. Really proud of that in the Secretary of State's office to help facilitate all these new business owners, new entrepreneurs. And that's what we want to continue to do is make it great and easy to build a business here in Georgia. So if you look back at, at 2018 and, and 2020, just to pick up on, on Sarah's point and, and flash forward to the fact that, uh, you know, election integrity is going to be certainly a, a primary issue, maybe the main issue in the public debates that we have, that, that you have in Georgia, that I think we have nationally um, leading up to the 2022 elections. How and you look at the changes that have been made. You mentioned SB two hundred two. Um, like a lot of those changes made sense, made common sense. Um, were mischaracterized, frankly, I think, by the Biden White House, um, by Democrats. But there were other things that make me uneasy. Uh, taking you out of uh, the, the sort of final process and substituting in the legislature, something that's happened in, in Georgia, or that's, that's going to happen in Georgia, something that's been proposed across the country. You see other election reform proposals from Republicans that seem to be injecting politics into elections rather than withdrawing politics from the elections. 
my big picture question against all of that backdrop is how alarmed should we be? If you're, if you're an average citizen, if you're, if you live in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin or Omaha, Nebraska, and you're following this as a newspaper reader, a concerned citizen, some days I wake up and I think, ah, look, everything worked out. 2020 happened. We have people like you who, who sort of stood up and said, no, I'm not going to let them try to cheat. And you can recite the facts as you just have. On other days, I look at what's taking place now on a daily basis and think, we're not alarmed enough. You had the White House chief of staff yesterday uh, have revealed a PowerPoint presentation he put together on how to steal the election. The White House chief of staff so should we be really alarmed or should we be not alarmed as much as some people are? Well, uh, it's that two parts. Number one, in Georgia, if you look at SB 202, uh, we had a lot of bills that were filed in the last session we had, but they just really never got a hearing because they didn't deserve one. They're just really stuff that was very reactionary. At the end of the day, what came through, there was measured, solid piece of legislation, photo ID, Make sure lines stay shorter than one hour. Make sure there's no politicking with the 150-foot zone. Making sure if you request your absentee ballot, it's it's 11 days cut off so that you'll get your ballot and actually be able to get it back to the county. Now, removing me as chair of the state election board, uh, not that's not a personal thing. I just think the, sec- the state election board should be chaired by an elected official that's held accountable to the voters. So that way, if they don't like something, they know who to call, who to hold accountable to. But by and large, it was very measured and solid piece of legislation. But I think what the issue that you're really going to is one that's very simple. And this is how you fix it overnight. It's called character, integrity, honesty, civil discourse, and kindness. And in my book, Integrity Counts, I quote Ronald Reagan. Because I'm going to talk about kindness. I'm going to use a Ronald Reagan quote. So you don't think that I've gone soft. I'm somehow, you know, <laughs> you know not a, a rock-solid principal conservative. But you can be a principal conservative and still be kind. You can be a principled conservative and still have conversations with people on the other side of the aisle to see what can we get done for the American people? What can we get de- to get done for our, our Georgian voters? What can we get done for the average Georgian that's trying to put food on the table, figure out how they get enough money for college for the kids and save for retirement, those kind of issues. But it gets back to, you know, Peggy Newton wrote a great book, When Character Was King. It's a story of Ronald Reagan. And that's what we really need in America. We need it on both sides of the aisle, but as a Republican, we need to fix our house and get it in order. Don't be, you know, pointing across someone else's backyard. Let's clean up our own backyard first. And we have people of noble character running up and down from the top of the ticket down to the water and sewer board. America will be a whole lot better place. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We've got these people running for offices like yours, uh, more local offices, who believe, again, on both sides of the aisle in a lot of cases, although I think the ones getting the most media attention are often from the Republican side, who believe these elections are stolen, uh, believe that the 2020 election was stolen at least. And I'm curious if you can walk us through 
what someone in a position like yours, if um, they wanted to, you know, sort of an ends justify the means reaction to the 2020 election, if they wanted to, quote unquote, find those votes that the president asked you to find, what could someone in your position without integrity, let's say, do? Well, first of all, you'd be violating the state law and the Constitution, and uh, you'd be subject to an investigation. And I think at the end of the day, you'd end up in prison, and that's where you belong. Our job is to make sure we have fair and honest elections, and people need to understand the processes. They need to, first of all, understand in Georgia, the counties run the elections, but it really goes goes all the way down to the precinct level. So at the precinct, those people working those 14, 16-hour days on election day, those are your neighbors. Those are the people you see at the grocery store. You see them at Rotary, Kiwanis, church group, out, out the ball fields. Those are your neighbors. And they have that core integrity that is really important for the process. They're just trying to do their job. Don't get paid a lot to do it because they want to give back to their communities. In your county election offices, we have 159 counties in Georgia. And I know they some lean left, some lean right, some uh, right down the middle. But everyone is looking down that thin blue line that law enforcement has, just like they have in elections. It's that line of red, white, and blue to make sure we have honest and fair elections. And so that's what's really important. And when you have integrity up and down the system, and then you have checks, checks and double checks and triple checks to make sure all the numbers line up. When you have a paper ballot and you can do a 100% hand recount to verify the results, all 5 million ballots in Georgia were recounted. It came within just a a couple thousand vote difference and still showed that President Trump came up short. Then we rescanned those ballots again for the third time and got virtually the same result. And it showed that President Trump came up short three times. We checked, checked, and triple checked. And we know that at the end of the day, our results are right. One of the things that was mentioned in um, Mark Meadows, uh, Donald Trump's former chief of staff, uh, PowerPoint presentation was foreign election interference. And there's been obviously a, a, a wide range of conspiracy theories about whether it was the Chinese or the Italians or, or you name it, um, hacking into our voting systems and changing outcomes, changing tallies. That was subject of a lot of the the BS around the Dominion charges, um, Smartmatic, what have you. Is that possible? When you have a one hundred, when you have a, a paper ballot system, and you do a hundred percent recount, what have you just verified? You actually sat people down at a table and they hand read all five million ballots. Who did you want for president? Joseph R. Biden, Donald J. Trump, or Joe Jorgensen, the Libertarian candidate? And that verified that the paper ballots were accurate when they were scanned. But we also showed we did diagnostics, so we did a forensic audit of a select number of machines to prove that the machines had not been hacked. We also, had, on election night, had DHS uh, people from CISA that come in and sit in our office, and they're actually out there looking at threat vectors, not just what we could have from international sources, but anything domestic also. And so we're very cognizant, very wor- wary and concerned about any type of cybersecurity hack. But people have to understand that none of our equipment on election day is connected to the internet. You have three pieces when you show up in, at Georgia on a poll place. The poll pad, it's not connected to the internet once it's ready to go on election day. The ballot marking device is just a dummy printer that sits there and you make your selections and then it prints out a paper ballot. It's not collect, 
connected to the other two pieces of equipment. None of the equipment's connected. Then you take your paper ballot over to the scanner. And when you take it over to the scanner, you then are scanning your ballot. That's not connected to the internet. It has two flash drives on the back. But when you press your button to tabulate at the end of the election day, it prints out a tape. And it's that paper that we actually then look at what the totals are by precinct. That's what the counties use. It's not connected again to the internet. Then the counties report that to us. And that at one point, that will be an internet connection that is secured. But we also we have the paper copy of what the tabulations were. Something would be reported if something happened. That is just absolutely ludicrous what people have said. It's been disproven. And when you do a 100% hand recount of the paper ballots, it shows conclusively that we were not hacked and the, and the count total was accurate. So if uh, Brad had a magic wand nationally uh, and could set you know, federal guidelines for voting, I'm curious if there are things um, that you think could make our elections more secure is one way to put it, but just more um, where people could have more confidence. And then, for instance, we know some states have gone to all mail-in ballots. What are your thoughts on that? Do you see a future where we can just vote on our phones and you never need to go to a polling place? Would there ever be a way to secure that? Um, I don't know. I'm curious about your thoughts on the future of voting in this country. Well, in the, as a future for voting, I talked to a professor in one of our lawsuits, very, very sharp fellow, and he said, uh, there's, we're nowhere near uh, being able to vote by phone. Now, he did say uh, maybe at 10, 20, at some point in time, you know, obviously the generation coming up is used to doing everything on phone, but it's just not secure enough. So today with what we have right now, what we really need is NVRA of 1993 that was signed into law by Bill Clinton, the Republican House, uh, by Democrat House and the Democrat Congress. Now, we need that to be updated. And here's why. We cannot update our voter rolls 90 days before an election. But yet we have to put people on the voter rolls 30 days out. But studies show that 11% of all Americans move every year. We have 7.5 million voters in Georgia. That's 800,000 Georgians that have moved over the course of a year, statistically speaking. That means they could move in-state, out-of-state. That means that they could move within the count, out of the county. And that 800,000 over that 90-day period equals 25% of that, which is 200,000 voters that have moved. We don't know where they've moved to. Are they in the county, out of the precinct? Is such dynamic mobility. And when you have a year with, we have a presidential primary, then you have the general primary, then you have a primary runoff, then you have the November race, then you have a, a runoff race. We can't update our vote rolls during election years. And that just really helps that you, uh, it really makes it difficult for the counties to keep their list clean and accurate. And so we work hard on that, but federal obstacles have really what hurt us. And what's really sad is when we had a Republican president, Republican House, Republican Senate, they didn't do a single piece of election reform legislation. But as soon as it flipped and Nancy Pelosi you know, owned the place, guess what she did? She started shoving down her H.R. 1, and then she came back two years later with H.R. 1 on steroids. And right now we're looking at H.R. 4. All of that is federal takeover of elections. We do not need a federal takeover of elections. The states can do a good job. We have no excuse absentee voting. We have now up to 19 days of early voting, and we have election day voting. We have all three forms. We have photo ID. We think we've hit the right mark with the proper balance of accessibility with security. And we think we're doing it right. We just can't control what other people say, but we do have safe and secure elections in Georgia. I think federal law is one of the things we need to work on changing. All right, last question. Um, 
this may, may be too personal. Just take it where you want to take it. But I feel like the Georgia football season was a real roller coaster. And I'm curious now that the ride is at least, you know, you can sort of see the end of the, the roller coaster ride, how you feel reflecting on a year that had so many ups and some important downs. It only had one down. It because, had one uh, really important down, though. <laughs> yeah, and, and you must be from Alabama or something like that, but <laughs> I'll let that go. But what I'll say is Alabama brought their A game and we brought our C game. And we now know we're going to bring the A game. We got to bring the A game against Michigan. We got to bring the A game against whoever beats, uh, you know, in that Alabama Cincinnati game. But uh, Georgia has a team. And if we bring our A game, we will win the national championship. That's what we need to do is bring the A game. I'm from Texas, so it's mostly just that University of Texas has been so abysmal that it's. I want to bring everyone down into my pit. That's, well, that's the main issue. The SEC is the championship uh, conference, and I believe that we'll win the national championship again this year. All right. Well, uh, go dogs. We'll, we'll be rooting for you. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining the podcast this week. We really appreciated your time. Go dogs. quick break to hear from Aura. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. And I'll tell you, not only have I given this picture frame to all the moms in my life, but I'm an only child, and it's been really fun to see my friends with siblings give this frame to their moms, and it turned into a passive-aggressive war to see which siblings can upload more pictures of their children. The Aura app is so easy. You can sit there at the end of the day while you're watching TV and just upload a couple pictures from the day and really show your brother-in-law who's boss. From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, and even the friends in your life, every mom loves an Aura frame. Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code DISPATCH at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 